0: Go ahead and grab a seat. So, have you? Have you ever seen one of these guys? This is a. This isn't like a enormous eight ball, a billiard. I mean, this is a magic eight ball. One of those guys, you know, where you kind of shake and it gives you an answer. Uh, anybody play with a magic eight ball growing up or anything? Anybody under twenty have any idea what I'm talking about right now? <laughs> That's because you were here before, probably. But so. This is how it works. You kind of shake it and you ask it a question. This is a 20-sided die in this one. It got fancier. And so there are 10 uh, positive answers, 5 negative answers, 5 kind of neutral answers like concentrate, ask again, you know, reply hazy. Hey, uh, Magic 8 Balls, the message is going to be good today. Let's see. Outlook not so good. <laughs> uh-huh. That's my time. So yeah, I don't know. So I actually used a Magic 8-Ball when I was growing up to see if I should ask a girl out in middle school. This is a true story. So like, I was kind of hanging out with my friends and you know, there's this girl that I like, changed her name, but we'll call her Betty Sue. And so I, I liked Betty Sue. And so I asked Magic 8-Ball, like, hey, does Betty Sue like me? And it said, like, absolutely, definitely. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, hey, Betty, should I uh, should I ask Betty Sue out tomorrow? And it said, absolutely. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And so I walked up to her the next day with the confidence of knowing the future, right? Walked up to her, and I said, hey, uh, Betty Sue, do you want to go out with me? And I will never forget her response. I mean, it is like etched in my brain. She looked me dead in the eye, and she said, ew, no, I mean, it turns out okay for me. Like I'm very happy with, with Abby, not with Betty Sue. Abby's not Betty Sue. Somebody asked me after first service and no, that's not the case. We didn't know each other in middle school. But it was in that exact moment that I realized maybe this isn't the best way to plan your life, you know? Like, especially because if I don't like the answer, I can just ask it again and like, you know, get a different answer or whatever. And I was kind of thinking about, like we have, you know, silly things like that, you know, predict the future type things growing up. But the reality is the psychic industry, so like, you know, fortune tellers and, you know, tarot cards and, you know, things like that, horoscopes, things like that. um That was a $2 billion industry in 2022. Um It's actually doubled since 2012, um, and I was kind of thinking, why in the world is that the case? Like, why it, it, did that industry just explode? And maybe there are some, you know, specific reasons, but I think one of the reasons is we want to know the future, right? Like, we want to be confident that what we're doing is the right thing, that what we're deciding is the, the right thing that Betty Sue is going to say yes. You know, like, we want to know what's going to happen next, and so like the magic eight ball, like we ask God, or maybe we ask someone else or something else, you know, Hey, how do we make sure that we make the right decision every single time? And it sets us up for success, sets us up for health, sets us up for happiness or whatever. So we're starting a series today called the guide to every decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Talk about overpromising and under-delivering, right? Like, my goodness, what am I doing? The guide to every single decision. Why would we call a series something so ridiculous? This is bound to disappoint if we think it's going to be like that. I want to say that up front. Hear me out. Here's why we called the series the guide to every decision you'll ever make in your entire life because this is what we want, right? Like we want assurances that what we are doing, who we are dating, what school we're going to, what job we're taking, what money we're investing is the right thing to do. It's the right way to go. It's foolproof. We know the future, even spiritually. So we want that, right? So much so that we, we kind of treat God like he's the magic eight ball. And we want to know God's will for our lives, right? Right? This is actually one of the most commonly asked questions that I'm asked as a pastor. Now it kind of sounds different sometimes, but it kind of sounds like this. Adam, I have this decision that I need to make. What do you think God wants me to do? Adam, I don't know what school to attend for college, I don't know what major to take, I I don't know what career to launch into, I don't know how to proceed in a way that will set me up for success and happiness in my life. What do you think God wants me to do? You know thankfully they don't go up to me and like shake me and ask me to say, you know, yes or no. Adam, I, I want healthy relationships in my life. How do I find that? I want somebody I can spend the rest of my life with. How do I find that? What does God have in store for me? Who should I date? Should I swipe left? Should I swipe right? Like, what should I do? How can I make my marriage healthier? How can we improve our communication? What does God want for me in my life and in my social circle and in my friendships? How can I decide to do things today that'll set me up for success? What does God want me to do? See, there are all sorts of these types of questions. What does God want me to do financially? What does God want me to do socially? What does God want me to do emotionally? How does he want me to take care of my aging parents? Or how does he want me to navigate the difficult and just burdensome and destructive journey that infertility has been? how does he want me to navigate this incredibly difficult coworker at work? It's not me, it was somebody else saying that. <laughs> See, there, these are real questions. They're act, actual questions that I've been asked in my life. And some of them are questions that I ask myself because it's like, Adam, I wish that there was this guide that I could make every decision in my life so that God would kind of give me what I'm hoping for and I can have confidence in the decision that I make so that I can be set up for success tomorrow. Why do we feel that way? Why do we kind of interact that way? Well, I think that there's a good reason. This is one of them. Decisions we make today impact situations that we're in tomorrow. That stands to reason, like that makes sense. The reason we want confident in decisions, the reason that we wanna know what God wants us to do is sometimes we know on our own, we can get it wrong. We regret decisions we can't take them back sometimes we struggle to make the right decision we don't know how to go about making decisions sometimes we're paralyzed by decisions you know like the hardest decision sometimes that we have to make in my house is like what are we going to have for dinner like it's a paralyzing decision it's like oh, i don't know like i don't like we should just plan ahead we do and we still get paralyzed by it it's natural for us to think, okay, God, give me a guide. Give me a step-by-step instruction, you know, like you know, notification on my phone or whatever. What is your will for my life? Because every single decision we make today has the possibility of impacting our tomorrow. So our decisions are important, positively, negatively, whatever. And we want to make the right decision, So what's my answer, right? When somebody comes up and goes through the thing, what does God want me to do? Like, how do we answer that question? Well, I I think it kind of goes something like this. See, I believe that God cares about who you are before what you do. See, when we think about the will of God, a lot of times we think about very, very specific things in our lives, right? Right? God, what do you want me to do in this job? God, who do you want me to marry? God, where do you want me to go? You have very specific things that are applicable to us. And that makes sense, right? And God does care about what you do. And it makes sense that we should ask God what we do. I actually do that all the time. However, I think we jump you know, a couple of steps. We go, God, what do you want me to do on a very specific level? And we rush things. And here's what I mean. What you do matters, but who you are actually impacts every aspect of what you do. We'll say that again. Who you are impacts every aspect of what you do. See what I mean? As a follower of Jesus, every single decision that we make in our lives should be impacted by the fact that we're a follower of Jesus. So yeah, where you shop and what you eat and what you say and where you go and where you get your haircut or whatever, at every, haircut's for Jesus, I don't know. Like, but every aspect of our lives should be surrendered to what God wants us to do. We have to start with being a follower of Jesus. So when we start talking about God's will, we want very specific things. We're like what job, what person, you know, whatever. And that's good. But let's look at a verse that straight up fills in the blank. God's will is what? So this is First Thessalonians 4, 3. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. And usually when we read a verse like this, I even highlighted the holiness part. Our mind, our eye still goes to sexual sin, right? And I don't think that that's the main point of this. The main point of this is God's will is for you to be what? Holy. And I understand, I mean, sex grabs our attention, sex sells, you know, all that type of stuff. But God's will is for us to be holy, not perfect. God's will for us isn't to be smart. It's not to be successful, not to be safe, not to be secure, at least primarily. It's not to be happy. It's to be what? God's will is for us to be holy. So what does holy mean? What does it mean to be holy? Well, literally the word holy, we can translate it as set apart. And the words translated holy and holiness a lot of times in the Bible mean separate or different or dedicated. I think that's a really good word, like dedicated to the things of God. So think of it this way. God is different than every other living being, right? He's perfect. He's morally and ethically perfect. He's set apart from sin, First Peter 1, uh, starting verse 15, kind of says it this way. But you now must be holy in everything you do. Well, I mean, that's not intimidating at all. Just as God who chose you is holy, set apart. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. So what's God's will for you in your life? Well, it's, it's holiness to be set apart on His behalf to be different from the world and from our past lives, to be completely and utterly dedicated to the things of Jesus. And we must be holy because he is holy. Clear as mud, right? Like this is where things get a little, little sketchy because we're like, okay, I don't, I don't know how to apply this to my life. And there are all sorts of like church jokes and you know, li- little puns that we could make about you know, holiness. Here's one of my favorites. You know Why? Is it safe to go into a church that is on fire because holy smoke? I like that joke a lot. I have like five of them, but we'll move on. See, the concept that is kind of difficult for us to understand is what does it mean for us to be holy in everything we do? See, because holy is something we can't really do. You can't go out and be like, hey, I'm, I'm doing holy today. Like it's a state of being. It's, it's, it's part of who we are. So let's go back to the definition. It means set apart, right? So if we follow Jesus, we need to be set apart, set apart from what? Like, should we go hide in the mountains? That's how some people kind of approach this. We get a bunker, live there on a can of beans, you know, whatever. Or how some followers of Jesus apply this is since we are pursuing holiness, we are going to judge you for not being holy. That's kind of the holier than thou approach to following Jesus. I don't think that that's what it means. No, we're set apart meaning this. We're trying to be holy by living out God's standards, not the world's standards. God cares about who you are, his child that he created who is set apart according to his standard. He cares about who you are before he starts caring about what you do. He does care about that, but what he wants you to do is live according to his standard. So let's put this into practice, into some real life scenarios, okay? Who should I date? Somebody might be thinking that. Like, who should I date? Here's my answer to that using kind of this that we're talking about. Who should I date? The person who helps you be holy and helps you live according to God's standards. How sexy is that, huh? Yeah. Where should I go to school? Well, you should go to the place that helps you be holy and live according to God's standards. What job should I pursue? Well, the one that helps you be holy and live according to God's standards. Are you annoyed yet? Because that's kind of the point. See, we wanna get so down into the specifics and he does care about the specifics. He loves you so much. He cares about every single intimate specific that you have, but we kind of have to start here. God cares about you being holy First and foremost, holy. This is how Colossians 3.17 says it. And whatever you do or say, every aspect of your life, everything you think, everything you, you want, everything that you say, everything you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Do it as, this is your identity, as a representative. Who are you? You are a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, whatever you say, that's like, I don't know, everything It should start with holiness. Every decision that we make in our lives, we can start with, am I doing this as a representative of Jesus? Have I surrendered this to Jesus? And if the answer is no, full stop, there's your answer. Surrender it first. Whatever you do, whatever you say, do it as a representative of Jesus by loving God with all that you've got and loving your neighbor with all that you've got, a.k.a. we're called to be holy. So how does that help in like those those little nitty gritty decisions? How does that help with, you know, the specific decision maybe that's on our hearts right now? And I understand if we start here that we don't understand how to get to that part of it. So we're surrendering. We're saying, yes, I'm going to be holy. But I kind of came up with this. It's just a three-letter word and it just kind of helps me remember You know, some steps to go through when I'm making a decision. So I'm I'm trying to be holy. I'm trying to live according to God's standards and came up with just like a, like a a silly word. And it's just, I want to bow down before God. B-O-W. I want to bow down before God. That's it. Just want to bow down. We'll talk about that. But are you familiar with kind of the image? You know, like you kind of, you kind of surrender. You're a little bit more vulnerable when you bow down. I mean, bow is in the Bible actually a whole lot. You know, most recently, you know, kinda of like, you know, you see somebody, you know, on the stage, you know, just shredding in a concert, you know, they're just playing, everybody's like, We're not worthy. You're just kind of putting them first. You know, it's that that type of image. So this is corny. Like, fully admit it, it's never stopped me before. I don't really care if it's corny, I'm just telling you that I know that it is cheesy, I know that it's corny but it kind of helps me remember. So here's kind of what B-O-W represents. The B represents the Bible, the O represents others, and the W represents wisdom. I told you it was corny, but think about it. What does the Bible have to say about the decision I'm trying to make? What do others have to say about the decision I'm trying to make, especially others who love you and who love God? And what does wisdom have to say? So we can use the word, we can use bow to remind us to kind of think through these things, how it's best to be holy, how it's best to live by God's standard. So let's, let's kind of break this down just a little bit. Now, some of you might have thought, okay, so if it's the guide to every decision you'll ever make in your entire life, that you, you kind of were expecting the Bible part of this, right? So what does the Bible say? Well, The Bible isn't always a guidebook in the sense that it says, like, this is what you should wear on, you know, August 7th of 2023 or whatever. Like, there are some specific things that the Bible talks about, and we should obey those specific things. But then there are also, you know, some other things. But the Bible guides us. It's kind of like the guardrails. It helps us, keeps our path straight. This is Psalm 119, starting in verse 105. Your word, your scripture, your, the Bible is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Have you ever been in a room in complete darkness? How do you walk? Not confidently, I bet. Probably walk like this, right? You know, that's how I walk. Sometimes that's how I walk anyway, because of my back, but that's a different thing. See, your word is a lamp. It guides us. It lights up the path so we understand where you want us to go. And I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I will be holy. I will live according to your standard. It's right here. And is the thing I'm about to do in alignment with what the Bible has to say? That's what Bible represents in this context. And you might say, well, I actually don't know what the Bible has to say. And that's fair. That might be a good place to start. That's why we talk so regularly about reading your Bible every day. That's why we have something called the Ridge Reading Challenge. Or you have devotions where you're reading and you're understanding and you're interacting with what God has to say for you. And that is a great place to start. But begin and understand what the Bible has to say. And there are some like silly examples of that. Like here's an example. Don't murder. That's in the Bible. We go like, yeah, I got that one. But what about like should what job should I take? Well, that one might not be like in the Bible, but there are certain jobs maybe that don't help you honor God, that don't allow you to be holy, maybe it puts you in a situation where where you have to lie a lot or you know things like that. Like think about it really like how does this kind of align with what the Bible has to say? And sometimes it's not that specific. You know, what career should I pursue, engineer or doctor? But if it's an alignment, or at least not out of alignment with the Bible, we move on to the next one. So we're asking, what does the Bible have to say? And here's the O, what do others have to say? And I don't really mean like gossip. I don't really mean like what Billie Jean has to say about what Bobby Joe's like, did you see what she was wearing? That's not what I'm talking about, okay? There are people in your life that love God, and want what's best for you. That's what I'm talking about. So you have a decision to make. You're like, should I be an engineer or should I be a doctor? And both decisions are decisions that could, you know, definitely make you holy and is according to God's standard. The, the you know, the world needs engineers. The world needs doctors. But other people know you. And here's an example, like a silly one. Like, can you imagine somebody saying, like, Hey, I, uh, I'm thinking about being a doctor, and they go, Hey, you. You don't like the sight of blood, and you don't like people? lying. <laughs> like... Think of that through, maybe. You refuse to go, you know, to school for it. You know, there are, there are things that people can see in us. They can affirm in us. Hey, you're really good at this. You're not really good at this. This is how God has gifted you or this is how God has skilled you. Other people sometimes have a better view of that than we do ourselves. Have you ever been in that situation where somebody else even sees something in you that you don't see in yourself yet? See, this is what others, other people who love Jesus, other people who love you and know you, they'll be honest with you. That's gold. That's actually one of the reasons that we have groups here at the Ridge. We have people, we can get you into kind of literal groups of people, eight to 12 people who can encourage you, pray for you, come alongside you. So there are different things that groups do. And yes, we study the Bible, which is the first You know, part of this, but also they can just come alongside you and understand who you are and encourage you and affirm you and maybe uh, suggest some things at times. I've been in groups or been around groups that help somebody make a God-honoring decision that they would not have made without the other people cheering them on. So if you aren't in a group, I mean, we're launching them right now, unapologetically, I would say join one. If you're like, I don't really have... Other people to come alongside me and encourage me, especially those that love God and want what's best for me, join one. And if you're in a group, be honest about what's going on in your life. Be honest and give people an opportunity to love you right where you are. I mean, we, uh, Abby and I are foster parents and it's a pretty challenging thing to do. And our group has been such an encouragement. I mean, not only have they like helped and come alongside us, but they pray for us, they encourage us. They also sometimes talk us off the cliff. <laughs> See, that's what others can do. So what does God want? You know, how does he want us to proceed? And it's like, well, what does the Bible have to say about it? But also what do other people who love you, who know you, God can speak through other people. He chooses often to speak through other people. So here's the last one. Here's the W. I mean, what does wisdom have to say? And here's the thing. A lot of times we're like, I want to know what God's will is for my life, but I'm not going to ask him. Ask God for wisdom on what to do. He will show up. We can ask God, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to be? And then we pay attention to what's going on in our lives or we pay attention to what we're reading in the Bible or we're paying attention to conversations. We have a decision before us, what should we do? And we've been thinking about that how it aligns. And we've been talking to other people and then we've prayed and we've said, God guide this decision. And I can't tell you how many times I have prayed, God guide this decision. And then he shows up with a question or an answer or a person. And it's not fancy to me. Like, it's not like, I don't know, like the voice, you know, do this, be an engineer. Like, it's not like that for me at least. But it's things like, hey, is this a wise use of your time, a wise use of your resources? Does this honor God? Do you think it honors God? Does it honor other people? Does it honor your family? Would you want everyone to know about this decision? Could this begin to control your life? And any of the answers to those types of questions that God can kind of prompt through the Holy Spirit that lives in us... Like, they're incredibly helpful. And then there are sometimes, I'm just going to say this as an aside, there are sometimes that we work through the Bible and we work through others and we work through wisdom and we're trying to be holy and we surrender it and God says, either one. You can be an engineer and honor me. You can be a doctor and honor me. It's okay. Ephesians 5 kind of says it like this. Be very careful. Surrender how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And basically saying we live in this fallen world and it's sometimes hard to make some of these decisions. Therefore, do not be foolish, but what? Understand what the Lord's will is, which is to what? Be holy. So we seek out the Bible, we seek out others, we seek out God's wisdom. And sometimes he gives us laser clear instructions. And sometimes he says, hey, if it, If it's honoring to me and you're surrendering this to me, it can be either. But I believe that God cares about who you are, wholly surrendered to him before all the specifics of what you do. And Jesus is really the best example of be and who before do. So think about it. Think about Jesus. Uh, Maybe think about the cross. Would the cross have the same hope if Jesus wasn't who God wanted him to be. See, people were crucified regularly. What made this one different? Well, Jesus, because of who he was, changed everything because of what he did. Jesus climbed willingly up on the cross. He was mercilessly beaten and tortured. Why did he do that? Because of who he was. He was our savior. That's who he was. He was holy. That's who he was. He lived according to God's standards. That's who he was. Do you see? He lived this out. Who you are impacts, guides every aspect of what you do. And if who you are is holy, it has eternal impact. And for Jesus, the decision he made to be who God wanted him to be changed the world because of his love for God, because of his holiness, because of his love for each of us, because he surrendered to God's will. So right now, I just wanna, I wanna do something with you all. Will you just bow your head with me? And I want you to answer kind of this question, just allow God maybe to speak in your heart and your life right now. How is God asking you to be holy today? See, this is the difference between, you know, maybe the, the magic eight ball version and and the creator God version. How is God asking you to be holy? Maybe it's to make a decision in a different way. Maybe it's to change the way you think about something. Maybe it's to own up to a decision you've made in the past. Maybe it's rethinking even just the way that you're looking at God's will. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's simply asking God, not just what do you want me to do, but maybe God, who do you want me to be? How's God asking you to be holy today? Maybe it's not telling God, this is what I want, but asking God, what do you want? And being willing to listen, willing to pause for an answer. Right now, how is God asking you to be holy? Because the decision you make today impacts the way that you live tomorrow the decisions that we make today are rooted in who god wants us to be and he wants us to be holy so keep your heads bowed keep your eyes closed and i'd like to close our time with some prayer heavenly father this is one of those this is one of those concepts this is one of those messages that like we're not leaving and going like, woo, holiness. God, help us understand this. Help us live this out. Help us see how big of a deal being set apart, being dedicated to who you are. Help us see how important it is to surrender our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our actions, our families to you. We do that right now, God. We surrender to you. Help us be who you want us to be. Help us be the church that you want us to be. Help me be the pastor that you want me to be, father that you want me to be, servant of you that you want me to be, follower of you that you want me to be. Help us surrender every aspect of our lives. Help us do what you would want us to do because we are trying to be who you want us to be. And thank you for the perfect example of that in Jesus. That Jesus changes everything, not just because of what he did, but also because of who he is. He is a savior. He loves us. He provides for us. He takes care of us. Sometimes in ways we see and sometimes in ways we don't. But we surrender all of this to you. Help us be holy. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.